Yeah, you mm. can go outside and go just walk around outside in the grass. Mm. It's 58 and it's supposed to rain later tonight. It's going to be 68 on Monday. My God. Damn, that's nasty. It's supposed to rain all night. That's yeah. that weather you don't know. Do I put on a sweatshirt or, or not? Yeah. I'm going to be hot in a minute. Damn. All right. Welcome back to the Call Your Cousins podcast. We are fresh off intermission. Thank you for that little break. Y'all probably don't know, but it's been more than a little break. Uh, where do we leave off? P is is it time to bring it to the altar? Bring it to the altar. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today we want to talk a little bit about wellness and uh, mental health. Um, uh, I will let. Uh, I, let's let P start today. Let's see what she got to say on that. Well, I think it's important, you know, when you're closing out different seasons, moving into new seasons, um, you always take time to check in with yourself. So I don't think we did a check in uh, today. You know, my mental health, I would say in the last uh, couple of weeks has been from a a two on a good day to a seven on a blessed day to attend when you really look at your circumstances and you um you thank you thank the good lord for well you thank the good 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 uh for everything that you have <laughs> so um i'm gonna just go with that but yeah i would say i'm i'm averaging a good 5 um what i also been doing a lot though is definitely grounding um connecting to nature taking the time to practice gratitude uh, for, you know, everyone that's listening, how do you um, try to get yourself out of a funk? You know, what do you do? Um, sometimes for me, it's just getting out in the sun. It's um, walking outside, you know, with no shoes on in the grass, just listening to the birds, you know, thinking about how beautiful day it is as the good prophet uh, Jeezy once said. So, you know, <laughs> I just uh the yeah, yeah. The 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 whole I think that you know it's important that uh, especially for uh most of our uh listeners, we know that you know everybody comes from different walks of faith. And so it's you know, some people you can't really throw Jesus on them, you can't throw God on them, you can't throw Buddha on them, you can't throw uh your auntie's toes on them, you can't do you can't throw a lot of stuff on people. You, you you really you really really have to allow people to find that place where they can um get in a good space and with that said we just want to go ahead and say uh rp to twitch um mm -hmm. that was uh you know it's yeah. interesting because a lot of black folks they talk like oh we didn't know it was that white woman you know crazy stuff and it's you know, we have to really, even though we're on this podcast and we're on social media outlets, what is on the surface is not really what's underneath. Um, I like to think of it as the swan, you know, a swan looks smooth as hell as it sails across a nicey uh, uh, piece of water, but underneath its feet are pedaling frivolously. And so I think that a lot of people were shocked, but at the same time, you know, we never know what's going on and it's important to always give real checks. You know, I have this, um, this common practice of 
just really asking, like someone asks you, oh, you know, we're all, you know, a lot of people have corporate jobs and they go, oh, how are you doing today? How you feeling? I, sometimes I have to like ask people, I go, do you want to know the real answer? Or you want the fake answer? Because really, are you listening? Are you actively listening? Because nine times out of 10, when someone's going through a hard time, they are screaming for help. Sometimes they're not, but almost close. You know, there are some signs there um, that could be a lot of sleeping. It could be anything. So again, y'all check on y'all loved ones. You know, don't y'all church first. Don't be pushing Jesus on people. That ain't cool. You know, everybody has to find their own, their own way to connect to spirit. You know, don't be, <laughs> don't be pushing nobody Pope on them. You know, I mean, that's true though. Right. Twin. I mean, how you feel about it? Cause you know, I know you indifferent. How you feel about it? Uh, exactly. Like mental health is at a five today. My range has been about the same, but I feel hopeful for 2023. Hey. I feel like I see that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I was talking to my therapist today for hours as usual. And I feel like I've learned, I've learned this year how to stand in my truth more so than I ever have before. And I feel like it's bringing me more peace. It's bringing me the peace that I've been kind of searching for. So, you know, I agree with what you just said. What What's your mental health at, Doug? Oh, also, we got <laughs> guest, guest star, the research <laughs> team, everybody. She hey, won here for up? the first half. Friends. Doing a quick cameo, you know. The research team. But yes, Dub checking in. What's your what's your mental health? Yeah, we uh we love to have you here on the pod. Anytime you're here. Um I would say I'm at a five. I'm I'm generally a, a very even kill person. Like I don't really be sad about nothing. I don't really be excited about anything. I'm just I'm just at a five. Um <laughs> Yeah, I can't I can't even say too much. And and when I am sad, I don't know and you probably never know either when i'm happy probably the same thing um <laughs> i guess i think i'm blessed to be that way just it's it's never too much for me and it's never too little so it's i'm all right nice. but um anybody out there you know i think i think we mentioned it a few episodes uh before it is a tough time of the year um just like p and twin said a little while ago just check on your friends check on your relatives get yourself checked if you need to um don't be afraid i think we're in a time where uh mental health issues negative or positive is it's more um i don't know what am i trying to say it's more accepted Prevalent. yeah oh, probably yes. accepted than yeah it ever it's not has like been animal. yeah not just in you know other communities but even the black community is starting to accept that now so um it's get get yourself checked out check on your people um and i wanted to say we don't but we need to we need to bring up the the tweet or whatever that that missy sent to the to our group was that y'all it was like check on your strong friends 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was like check on your strong friends. Sometimes just checking on your strong friends ain't enough. It was like basically like just show up and start washing dishes or something. Kick down the door. Yeah. Just kick down the door. And I feel like I feel like a lot of people have kind of been trying to be there for me, or like they'll say, "Well, I've been asking you if you need help," and blah 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 blah. But the people who have been truly helpful have literally showed up at the door and just started doing stuff. And I've, I've never felt that tweet so much. So if you have somebody in a low place and you keep asking them what they need, what they need, what they need, just show up, child, because they need so much. They don't even know where to start. They don't know what to tell you. Just mow the line. I need $5,000. I need to check them. They need everything. So just show up and be there because I feel like I've had a hard time telling people how to be there for me. And those who have been there have just showed up and started doing stuff, including D, the research team, who is currently doing my laundry right now. Wow, so. look at that. And and just to uh, piggyback off what you, what you said and um, mentioning checking on your strong friends and uh, to bring it back to what P said earlier um, about Twitch saying, you know, obviously rest in peace again, that nobody knew. Nobody knew because we weren't supposed to know. Maybe he was everybody else's strong friend mm -hmm. and nobody checked. Um, yep. And sometimes it's just like that. Uh, so. Sometimes the strong friend is struggling more than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because holding it in is a struggle in itself too, you know? And then you never know one day they might just snap and you think what the fuck is wrong with them, but they really been struggling through stuff. Yeah. the whole time and they just you know haven't let it out but anyway let's check in how are we today um i would say i'm at like a whole seven just because i went home and got recharged with the family so yeah seven eight for me um but to to kind of piggyback off of everyone when you check in on the strong friend like genuinely check in even if you can't kick down a door like have a, a actual conversation with them and don't take the standard answer as, okay, I'm fine. Or yeah, everything's cool. Like really sit and talk to them because sometimes you'll find out through just having a conversation, like, wow, they really have a lot on their plate or wow, they're actually not okay. And they're just saying that just because it's a standard answer to you. Yeah. And, you know, being the strong friend or having strong friends, sometimes upholding that persona or responsibility is a struggle within itself so literally check in check up and just you know connect with people who are you know the strong friend or deem the strong friend because strong people get tired like that's you know regular human nature and we need to be checked upon you know just just every day as a norm agree agree Speaking of which, this is a old, well, it's a couple months old, but I'd be late. So I feel like mental health is different amongst the generations, you know, kind of like what you were saying is more accepted. So I was just minding my business scrolling on Instagram and I saw that Master P and Romeo had got into it because I think Master P had put up something about helping people like oh oh it was about the twitch thing master p had put up something saying basically rest in peace twitch and you know you know how celebrities be like 
suicide prevention and check on your mental people with mental health issues and all that. So Romeo was like, hey, nigga, you got people in your own fucking family with mental health issues. Your daughter got this issue. I told you I was having mental health issues and you basically kicked me out. Like, it was going back and forth. And I think I just, they are like, like Romeo is probably gener- Gen Z, right? He's probably Gen Z. Master mm, he whatever we are. Master, uh, Romeo about our age. Yeah. And basically Romeo was saying his dad basically been telling him to shut the fuck up and get over whatever problems y'all have because I done provided for y'all and all this. And I just wanted to discuss, like, have y'all noticed that with older generations? And if so, like, how do you explain mental health to that older generation who just don't get it and don't care to understand, you know? Well, I I, I kind of saw, <laughs> I saw a uh, follow-up interview that, that, um, you know, uh, P did to that master P that is. Uh-huh. Um, so what what I took from it is that Romeo's uh, outlash to to his father wasn't about you know what went on in his family as far as his sister, and it wasn't about the Twitch duty. It's about him saying that P owes him money. Um, he kind of claiming that they living in poverty and some and. I kind of get what P was saying, cause I mean Romeo, thirty some years old, he's you know he he can kind of do for himself. Well, he should be able to do for himself at this point, especially if you grow up privileged in the way that you did, or what we perceive as as privileged. So I don't I don't know who side I'm on it uh, in this per se. It's a little messy to me. What if he? Uh, Let's talk about that. What if he do owe him money? What do you do? What do you do when a parent owe you money? Did you just supposed to suck it up and say, "Well, you provided for me," so? Because I know several people who have had money stolen from them from parents, mm, and same. I just can't fathom. Like my parents would never, but if they did, like you just don't like large sums of money too, like thousands of dollars. It is. It's a no. We gonna have to cut ties. It, it's, it's like a no. what? There does, there does come a point in, uh, I think a lot of parental and, and child relationships where, I mean, good or bad, like at some point they just become another adult to you. They're not in the parenting role anymore that you may have to care for them. Y'all might bounce stuff off of each other. Like, Hey, let me hold this. I give it back like that. But they really just, they're just another adult. Um, so I can't, I, I wouldn't say that Romeo can expect for his dad to still be looking out for him. I'm sure he does. I'm sure his dad pays for the house he lives in. That's what P said. That's just what he said. But I think you got to do for yourself at, at some point. And if, if your dad this to you all these years ago, which whatever you claiming he did, that was like 15 years ago, like. I gathered that Romeo wasn't denying what his dad did for him, but there seemed to be a lack of like emotional support and like mm. otherwise. And to me, from P, I got that old nigga shit. It's like, well, I provided mm-hmm. for you. Like as if that's all you're supposed to do as a father. And 
it's not like if I came to you with addiction issues and all this and you basically told me to suck it up because you did all this shit for me I, she was some simple way about that he you know, out of there. I think the funny thing is is like when you would <clears throat> well in black households most uh, mainly when you a kid and you you like claim like your parent owe you something <laughs> Then they mm-hmm. give you um, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Like da da da. <laughs> this is like, kind of like like an exponentially bigger <laughs> type of that situation. You know what I'm saying? And then they be saying it like you supposed to think that I asked you to bring me here, girl. Take me out. Take right. what if we started saying that? Take me out, girl. What they gonna right. say? Which <laughs> that's real funny. Let's not push them to that. <laughs> It's not. Some of them, cause some of them, That's not. some of them might do it for real. It's not even giving that option. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up? I, you know, I, I'm glad you waited to put me on because, <laughs> Ooh. you know, you know, I'm on their ass. You know how I feel, <laughs> and I think a lot of it is because the the biggest thing about okay p and his son is an element of truth and transparency and that visibility in that and you know again it's what we see versus the reality okay and so what black people see tend to see when it comes to mental health or family structures or provisions is that because you've done this one thing you owe them for life and who owe who owes somebody for life when in fact if that's true then how come you don't how come you don't have something right like if if that if that if that's true because if that's like how generational wealth should work right if i if i owe you for life that means something has been passed down to me and the reality is that's not how the black family structure is. But most importantly, again, as African Americans or African descendants in America, we have to always remind ourselves that we are only so far removed from slavery and the the idea and construct of family as an actual broken thing. Yeah. So with P and his son, I, I apply him for bringing that to the forefront because at the end of the day, it, he, he basically said it ain't what it is. And it, it, you know, it don't, what you, what you see ain't really what's going on. And I, and I, and I'm glad that he did because that's the biggest freedom I found in my own, um, my own validity and my mental health. And I say validity in the sense of when I first found out that I had a mental health problem, I was an adult, but I had been in actual therapy as a child. And that was because, you know, my, my grandma really didn't know what to do with me and my brother because we then was trying to kill each other. And so, but we, you know, being that we didn't have much money, we went to, you know, CHI, which you know, shout out to CHI, y'all ain't shit. You know, it's basically, it's basically like government, I think it's children health and something. It's basically okay. like government offered health space. services. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was in prime. And 
you know, with CHI, it was like, we down there ran, we almost killed the goddamn therapist being in that bitch. Like, she oh. didn't know what to do with us either. I and believe so, it's community health and something. I, community health? Yeah, I'm community health sure. is something. Research, Research team. team. Research team on it. So, you know, as children, we went through that process and it didn't work. And not knowing that we were both going through our own traumatic experiences and trying to work that out, not only in this household, but being raised by someone that was not our mother. Um, the craziest thing that I found in one of my sessions in therapy as a 20 something was that I didn't even have a motherly attachment to the woman that raised me. And so I think that those are the things you have to work out, right? Because in in my mind, I owed this woman my life. This, yeah. I felt like a burden. I felt like she gave me everything I had. So I in turn had to give back everything to her. And the truth is parents, people who take care of you as children, they're stewards to get you to that point where you can make your own decisions and you can kind of live on your own. But these are things that you come through with truths, right? And the truth was that I had to acknowledge that's how I really felt. Regardless of how she raised, that's how I really feel. That's my actual eternal um, feeling towards it. And moreover, mm -hmm. the breakdown of that was the fact that she never nurtured me. It was, you know, the best description she gave um, in therapy was that you know, you were raised more like you walk outside and you fall. Your black parents say, you are, you all right, get up. A nurturing mother will walk over to you as a child, toddler, and pick you up, make you feel safe. Where does it hurt? Kiss it. It's a boo-boo. It ain't, couldn't even mommy. be, it couldn't even be a scratch there. Shout out to BJ. We love you forever, eternal. And I just feel like, you know, even when you got the boo-boo, they put a Band-Aid on and you ain't even got one. So when it was, it was eye-opening for me. So now as an adult who has gone through therapy successfully, has been through um, years of it, thousands of dollars, and now I can call out these older um, uh matriarchal and patriarchal and marriage matriarchal systems in our own family for what it is and i don't give a fuck if you 18 and older you can get it i don't care because if you it because at this point you can figure out how to go to therapy there's much there's too many resources available free or not free if you don't like the therapist any listener listen to me you in the hood you struggling and you feel like you need help you don't like that therapist, go get another one. Go get another one to another one and another one. Yeah, it's hard to sell you, sh share your truths, but at the same time, the ancestors will guide you to the right person because I've been very lucky that, you know, like I explained as a child, I had a terrible therapist that, well, she wasn't terrible. We just, she had no chance with no black kids. But as an adult, you know, I still had a white therapist. I've had a black therapist. I've had women therapists and they have really helped me. Um, and so I would say that to anybody out there, when it comes to that kind of thing, make sure like, don't give up. Um, as far as our, you know, did, did, did P live off his children while maintaining that level of 
who he was? Absolutely. Right. Like I'm not going, cause why would, why would his son call him out like that? I, I think that would be real out of pocket, especially because everybody knows P for being, you know, he was, he, he was the epitome of a black person making it in that time or breaking into the industry because, yeah. and that's mostly because P understood that to be a billionaire, literally was just having this conversation the other day to be a billionaire. What made Rihanna a billionaire? It wasn't her music. And that's a product, right? It's you providing a product to the consumer and knowing exactly what they need, exactly what they want, exactly what they're going to buy. And that's what he gave us, right? Like when you look before at his doctor, hmm? what'd you say? say? Before they know. Before they know. So what he did was feed the streets. He kept, I mean, they, they came out with like 30 something albums. They was making albums every month, something crazy. Nobody was doing that. They was just getting on beats, rapping all day. All they did all day is rap on beats, some nonsense. And so, and then even the movie, how to, what was that movie called? Um, I got the hookup. I love that movie so much. More importantly, he understood the value of the black dollar. So I hate that. Go ahead. Go ahead, twin. Talk your shit. I feel like, because I watched the Master P documentary too. I feel like Master P, and this is probably a topic for another day, but I feel like Master P did too much for too many people. And now he's become resentful because you should never throw what you've done for your children in their face. But he did mention, like, I remember in a documentary and like kind of on Instagram a couple of years, he was going off about how niggas is ungrateful and how the bank is closed. And he done did all this for and I really, but niggas from the hood like that, I do feel like that you try to bring the whole hood up with you. You know what I'm saying? And you don't need to, you, you can't, everybody can't come. Like you can't bring everybody with you. And so I do kind of get a sense of he's just over it at this point. Cause he done did so much for people over the years and they've been ungrateful and all this, you know, and he just probably shouldn't have done that. You know, you gotta be more discerned. You gotta discern who you give to and you know who you don't so i think that might be playing a a play too a part too um i will say that for those years that romeo was kind of in the spotlight just to i guess bring it back he broke it down in his interview obviously nobody really knows the numbers but them two um those years he was on nickelodeon he had his little shows i think they did P said they did like five seasons or four seasons. 53 total episodes. He said per episode, Romeo's making between five and eight thousand dollars an episode. So if you do the math, you that's you making between two hundred and fifty and four hundred thousand dollars or something over five seasons. So this that's not even feasible that P was living off of his son at at that point. And then he said. Hmm? Is that what Romeo was claiming? I think I think uh, RP mentioned that a second ago. Um, also, uh, he was saying like over the three albums or two albums or whatever Romeo put out, total he sold maybe a million copies. So it just 
it ain't adding up. And then something about the rap snacks, he, he was like, yo, like, <laughs> there's no dividends in that. Like, we not we don't make a whole lot of money or whatever from that. So, so I don't know. So what Romeo Plan P owe him money for? He mentioned the rap snacks thing. I know I know he mentioned oh. that. Uh, they were saying P used, P was using Romeo money when he was on Nickelodeon and from his um, albums to pay his taxes, like if you. Oh, I did see that. I did see if, that. If you paying taxes with with what Romeo was making, that's not even gonna cover a small percentage of, you know, whatever taxes P had to pay for those years. So, it it what P saying kind of makes a lot more sense to me. But I think they just need to clean it up because I mean yeah. P was also mentioning like. His brother C Murder, who's also in who's in jail, like he he's like, yo, my brother got himself in that in, in that situation. And I'm like, I've been trying to get him out, and he's still saying that I don't do shit for him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, Twain, I think he probably just hurt. Like, I'm been doing all this for all these years. Okay. And no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't throw it in your your relatives or your children's face that about what you did for them, but they shouldn't be attacking you either. Right, but yeah. I think I think that goes back to um, rewriting these norms, you know, um, by action with tough love. And honestly, there is no room for that in like now. Now they know where they stand. It's up to them to work that out, right? Because yeah. you know these kids, they don't like. Remember that one time we was out having our little barbecue and we was talking about something that we read in the Bible, a Bible story. And this young kid said, that's cap. And I was like, dang, you gonna call the Bible cap? (laughs) These kids don't cap. When something cap, they calling it out. So, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, little man was like, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't finna keep acting like you out here, big man, on top of you not. And so, um, and, and also, Bro, we in a recession. Things hard. Like people ain't eating like they used to. You know, JT just said the other day on Twitter that she was in Aspen and wasn't nobody out there. So niggas <laughs> ain't eating like they want to no more, man. The wealthy ain't out here. She you know, she was in Aspen, Colorado, skiing. Um, but she said what she said. You know, we we are actually in an actual recession. And people, because of, you know, the numbers, but again, it's back to what we see and what is reality. And the reality is, is that's why nobody not out there is because them checks look weak right now. And most of the people that got money, they hunkering down. They gone, you know, they keeping them squirrel nuts real close. So um, I hope they, I honestly hope they um, mend their relationship. I'm glad that he stood up for himself because again, that's going to pave the way for more people who are being I have been in a situation where I was financially abused and with family and at the end of the day you just got to call that shit for what it is and move forward so I hate that for them um I do hope they repair their relationship though but I feel like that's a good segue into a topic I've been having on my mind which is family boundaries because (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I read a lot of stuff. I listen to a lot of stuff. I listen to a lot of people. I watch a lot of stuff. And I have seen, like, people have a true hard time with 
saying no to family, like putting forth hard boundaries when it does, when that relationship doesn't serve them. And specifically with me, like I have recently cut my brother off and people act like I'm the devil and I need to be the one, the bigger person to mend the relationship and all this. And I'm just like, at what point do you put yourself first and say, you know what, this relationship isn't serving me. So I'm going to take a step back. Like, why is that so hard? And specifically within the black community, like, I, I think I talk about the read all the time. This is not an ad, but I'll be listening to podcasts and stuff and people be writing in stories and stuff. And I'm like, why don't you just stop talking to that person? Like people have such a hard time cutting family off specifically in the black community and I just want to know what it's going to take for us to get that chokehold off of us. Because you be having to teach people, like, family will take advantage, Master P, if you, as long as you let them. Hey, so what is y'all thought? What is y'all thought? You, you, you just threw a million dollar segue. Um, <laughs> for anybody, for anybody listening to this, any therapists, any, uh, um supporters of the black family unity hit us up in the uh in the chat the dm anything send us an email at call your cousins at gmail.com because let me tell you baby it goes back to what we were just talking about it's telling the fucking truth okay because i myself have been dealing with family boundaries and um we have a couple licensed therapists in our family that I, you know, I kind of talk with in an unprofessional um, setting. And that's the one thing that they all say is you have to set those boundaries and you have to set them shits from the beginning, from the jump. Then if you're remaking a boundary, like I've had to cut my brother off too. You know that. So it's the same thing where I'm not gonna, I what I won't tolerate is for me, um, how I'm treated with family. And I've told, especially after I've explained how I'm going to be treated, how I want to be treated, what's not acceptable. And that's after years and years and years and years of love, understanding. And it's also interesting because when you tell, like you said, some the people look at you like the devil. When you tell someone, oh, I don't fuck with them no more, they really look at you like, well, damn, that's your brother and right like there's some obligation because they hold a certain title in your life that you have to maintain this relationship and granted we you know i would say to anyone listening right now i ain't telling you to go now don't violence let's be clear violence is never the answer um unless they try unless unless sometimes though (laughs) unless they try to but seriously if someone if someone is abusing you physically please call authorities or something like that. Um, Don't ever put yourself in a situation where you're actually being abused. But I'm talking about the boundaries that I would say that you're saying twin, these boundaries come because there's some sort of abuse going on. That's either physically, that's emotionally, that's financially. It's something happening where you as the person are being hurt. And that's why you have to put a wall up. That's why you have to cut that person off. That's why you have to no longer talk to them more. And more importantly, even if that person came back and apologized to you, because that's what I'm still waiting on with my own brother is like, you have to apologize to me and that ain't finna happen because I already know who I'm dealing with. So 
And then furthermore, if I saw him on the street, would I speak? Absolutely. Now, I know your situation is a little bit different, but if I saw that person physically, I would say, oh, you know, I would speak, but I'm I'm not going to put myself in a situation where, um, you know, that's the other thing about maintaining boundaries is you as the person that put the boundary in place, you don't put yourself in a position where you're around that person either, where you're yeah, then subjected correct. to that further abuse further, because what's that going to do for you? How does that serve you? How does that make you better? How does that make you feel like a good human being? So um, I also found that boundaries, when they're done correctly, create really good relationships with your family. So exactly. if we talk about it on the opposite, the flip side of that is I think that that's the one thing that's the best thing about our cousin chat is, you know, we all get in there and we talk about whatever we want to talk about. We be talking shit. And even sometimes when we feel like we might cross the line or not, for the most part, everyone knows that the biggest boundary there is that, or the bound, the thing that bounds us together or the boundaries that is placed that we all love each other and don't take it that far. Cause yeah. I mean, we keeping it a buck, you know, sometimes we've even left the chat because it's like, Whoa, like I ain't really fucking with that right now. But then that's because you yourself are dealing with your own, you know, emotional feelings, but then also you're able to come back and say, you know, you have those offline conversations or you have those, you know, talks amongst each other. Cause that's just like, I didn't realize that people got offended that we'd be kicking them out of the chat. My cousin dead ass pulled me to the side. was like, so y'all just going to kick me out. Ooh, oh, ooh, dang. I need a <laughs> shot. I'm going to take a shot of tea. Edit that. Uh, take that yeah. out, Tim. But for real, I didn't know. I didn't know he would be mad. So he, he like said it one day. I was like, what you care? You never say nothing. <laughs> Damn, another chat. Kicked him out. He was trying to kick him out, and he was like, he was like, we we were literally we was working out or something. He said, "Man, fuck her," and I said, "Damn, fuck her." Yeah, she always trying to kick me out of the chat. I I, I watch every day, but damn, I'm supposed to respond to everything every day. And I was like, "Bruh, I mean, but I say that to say that back to boundaries is." we have a great rapport and relationship enough where he the conversation wasn't even had in the chat it was had offline right yeah and it was exactly them offline chats listen hey anybody listen to this let me tell you something (laughs) we all know y'all have offline chats if you in the main chat if you in the main chat blowing bowls you need to seek help now (laughs) If you ain't anybody friend chat, group chat, you the one in there always throwing both seek help. Cause we got a cousin like that, that do that in our chat right now. And he only, he throw a bowl every once in a while. And then he out. Big boy. Oh yeah. He be so <laughs> random with it too. <laughs> he be randomly coming out of nowhere. With the shits. <laughs> the shit. And then leave. And then, and then he leave. But I, like, yeah, I think the good thing is that's that's him in real life in the chat or out of the chat. So he don't he don't know any other way. So it be for me, it's okay when it come from him. I'll be like, all right, yeah. You should see the craziness he, he be sending to my DMs on, on Instagram. He just wow. That's just him though. I'll be cracking up because I always be doing some random shit. Or I might even be feeling real low and then here go his ass out of nowhere with some bullshit. <laughs> right now. now here well, we go. 
with all the bullshit. But yeah, so I mean, that's perfect to go on to um, the next topic we have is, you know, why are Black people still resistant to therapy and medication? Um, again, we're still in bring it to the altar segment. Uh, anybody that's listening, again, we want to hear your oh, thoughts. Me? I would say I know for the generation above us, our parents, it wasn't widely accepted for therapy and to talk about your feelings and really kind of push back on your beliefs and what your parents told you. Yeah. So they were just doing what they were being told. And I think our generation is more of like, wait a minute, that's that sounds crazy. Hold on. Let me let me talk to somebody about this because that's not I recognize that that didn't help you. So it's not it's definitely not gonna help me. So we need to have, you know, a changed mm. mindset. And I think our generation is more of like, let's let's learn how to make these generational curses go away and let's figure out how we fix us so we're better so we're not bring that to the next generation but 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 i have to ask what is the definition of a generational curse so i feel like that nigga is generationally cursed i don't think i knew what it meant before I met his ass and his family. Oh, okay. It's a generational curse in that family that they but I also feel like me and D this is this is gonna like tie into what we're talking about. Me and D the other day was talking about how a lot of people don't never go on the self journey because doing the work is so hard. And I feel like generational curses stay in the family because every generation people just succumb like they don't try to do nothing different like it's just the same old shit and it's like so is the curse actually defined as resistant to change for the better i feel like some people are victim of circumstance but down the line eventually i feel like it becomes okay now you're just refusing to do better so that's what i'm figure it out so you know I would say, so if we're saying, you know, our, our, our podcast is, uh, four generations of cousins. So we're talking about people born in, you know, up until what, 1930s, 1930s might've been twenties as early as that. Who the, so, the no, above? I'm just Who? the above the first generation of 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 um of colliers the first generation uh, it was like tens and twenties for the first tens and twenties so yeah, my dad is 36 and he's the youngest one so let's yeah. go so let's say if we're talking about a curse right that's what how many years from now so let's say 1900s that's 100 so you're saying that a family could be reluctant to change or due to their circumstances, create a curse or be cursed within a hundred years. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say all of that. Yeah. So do you believe that the change can be in families that break those? Does that happen in a decade? Does that happen well, the curse what, just didn't happen yesterday, so it was over time. So it has to be broken over time. But somebody has to be the catalyst for that. 
Yeah, somebody got to start with that. to say, okay, this makes this no sense. This is crazy. Like, and I'm going to try something else. Yeah. I, I think it, uh, personally, I think it, it can be quick. I think that it mm. starts with with knowledge. Um, yeah. Once, I mean, generally, if you know better, if you want to, if you want to actively make a change, you will do better. Um, but obviously, the older generations, they don't they didn't really have access to a whole bunch of knowledge. It wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? As younger generations and um younger members of the family, like we we have a lot more access to things as far as like the things we can learn and the things we can do. So and the places we can go. Yeah, I was gonna say <clears throat> I feel like that if you know better, you'll do better is more true of younger people. Because older people do kind of just be sitting in their ways, you know. So then I guess the reason why I'm asking to be so descriptive, because for any listener out here who has been in a circumstance beyond their control or in a family who has refused to propel or create change, um, one thing that comes to mind that I remember being young, you know, of, of a woman, uh, my grandfather, uh, rest his soul, uh, I remember he he one day pulled me aside and gave me kind of the sex talk. And, you know, I was like in, in middle school and he really was trying to break the cycle of black young women having children in their teens. Right. So I, I'm saying this to anybody that's listening, anything that you see in your in your own family, your own community that is causing you to not either to be stuck or you can't move forward um that you know that's more circumstantial but then let's say um with since we're in bringing to the altar uh mental health or illness illness being high blood pressure you still eating you putting salt on your food you drinking goddamn kool-aid you drink you know sodas what can we tell people and how can we um, encourage them? Because each one of us, I think, especially has been the, has definitely, she has been one of the few people in our family that has benefited from curses being broken. And, you know, in her, in her own line of our cousins, but I know myself, you, twin, Dub, um, for having untraditional family structures, what can we do to, to a listener to encourage them that you don't have to wait a hundred years to change something. You don't even have to wait 10 years. If you fit, if, if the definition of the curse is something that you can't control and has been on your family, what can you do now to make a difference in a change? Something different. I feel like knowing and then putting forth action is different things like I, me and my therapist talk about this all the time <clears throat> a lot of times you see you know men despising what their fathers did and then they turn right into them but it's like you didn't do anything different than what he did you know and your excuse is that oh well that's all I saw okay well you need to seek out the knowledge on how to be a better partner or something you know something how do I not become this type of person? But it's like, I feel like people stop at the, oh yeah, I know that this is a curse amongst my family and then that's it. But they never continue seeking knowledge about how to fix that. And it's 
it goes back to what I was saying. It's, it's a self journey. Like you, you either choose to go on a self journey or you don't. And I feel like most people don't. So you got to start well, there. That's semi encouraging. Um, everyone. I think, well, cause you know, I think, I think what I have learned with you, um, have taught me is a lot of people have to visually see it. It's exposure. So if you want self-discovery, you got to expose yourself to people or things that are like that. So sometimes that looks like taking you outside of that whole situation, right? So if you, you know, you feel stuck, it's seeking something outside of your norm to help. And, you know, if you're spiritual or you, um, I would say, as black people your ancestors they are out there even if you just speak like i want to be out of this situation help me guide me i'm i'm telling you the right way will come to you because um a lot of people always when i was younger got on me about having kids and i just for me as someone who came from a broken home I understand what of what family means. I understand what children mean. I understand I understand the weight of that because of the trauma I experienced myself. So I am very 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 reluctant to put a child of mine in that situation. So that's something I can actually control. I can actually prevent from happening. I can no longer pass on said curse to um someone else. And so I think that uh, if I would say that it's not necessarily also just seeing, it's just knowing that someone once told me, you know what you don't want. So if you don't like this no more, or you can't handle this no more, or this ain't for you, get out of that shit. Make the decision. If you on social media, something you on Google, that's the crazy thing about this generation in general, just today, people is we have so much technology at our hands. I, I, I gotta stop and segue so for something real quick because this is the funniest thing I had ever heard. So uh D was talking about how, you know, that generation, her parents' generation, you know, they they came up in a different time. But do you know that that age right now, they out here Googling, Googling if they get a diagnosis? Like mm. they broke their foot. So they Google, I broke my foot, what I do. Would you like to think for themselves? <laughs> Who is doing that? Who's doing that? The people, the people that Who? They using Google. Who? What people though? I'm telling you, aunties, they Googling, they broke their foot. What do they do? Like they gonna <laughs> fix the foot themselves? Wow. I'm confused. I'm finna look it up. So y'all don't use Google for that. Y'all don't go use Google if you want to. If you want to break your generational curse, I would say go don't Google. I'm broke foot. I'm going to the doctor. No, right. I'm a definitely like everybody doing Google symptoms, but a broken foot is not a symptom. That's that's, a symptom. that's, that's what's a actually wrong. Yeah. I'm telling you. I down the past. I said, get off. I said, get. I said, y'all. Y'all can have it. Have it. Have it. Leave it in leave it in 2022. Have it. Have y'all that information. <laughs> Ciao. Dub, you got anything to say about how, you know, talk to the people, anything they could do to break generational curses. Step one, 
out of the 12-step program? Anything you got for the people? No, nah, I think I mentioned it. I think the, the biggest part is just knowing better so you can do better. And then if you're going to pass it down, you got to have children first. I I really can't relate because I ain't, I, ain't I ain't got nobody to pass nothing to, so. No, I said knowing better and then putting forth the effort to do better. Yeah. You got you gotta want it. Yeah. At the I mean, at the very least, you gotta want it and put in some type of effort and stick with it because then it'll become and a habit. Right. Do you got anything you wanna um to go check on my laundry? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's what you call it now? <laughs> we we gonna keep this we gonna keep this thing rolling. Um, <laughs> she back? No, she not back yet. Yeah, we gonna keep it rolling. She also um, you also went to meet the plug outside. Oh, okay, well, um, I mean, I hear you, Doug, but at the same time, I think that's a perfect way to segue into mentorship. Like, even that's the biggest thing I've been thinking about now since I don't have children. Like, how am I con- gonna contribute to? the next generation younger people um it's funny i told that to my best friend and she said bitch i got kids i said what oh, okay okay i know i'm the rich auntie but damn <laughs> she never said that shit to me it's like no 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 i want to be more a mentor she was like you got you got plenty of you got plenty of aunties and nephews out here help them uh mm-hmm. but really i think mentorship is one of the most valuable tools that um black people can have and i'm not talking about mentors like kevin samuels who should lie dead for the rest of their life i'm talking about people who, about kevin sam i'm sorry <laughs> what you say Doug? i said shout out kevin sam rest in peace Mm-mm. i'm talking about mentorships like, where yeah yeah i'm talking <laughs> about mentors who can actually who got a good track record they're good human beings um I, I, one of the few things that I always do when I'm either working on a job, white, dealing with white people or black people is I always ask my boss to become my mentor. I always, if they're a good person, I always, um, ask for their guidance, um, in, in some kind of way, because honestly they got there some kind of way and they have some knowledge. It's like when you go in church and you hearing a whole bunch of things, some of that shit don't stick, but I tell you, I tell you what, in the last I've been working 20 something, almost 20 years of my life. And every time I've had someone I, I I specifically sought out to be my mentor, it's something I remember. It's something I retained and it's something that's helped change my life. So um, with that said, Twin, you want to go ahead and segue into mentorship? Yes, I did want to give a shout out to my mentor, Dominique Williams. So I've had a lot of mentors over the years. I've probably been in technology consulting like 10 years now. And they've all been white men. And this three years ago, I got interviewed by this black lady, Dominique Williams. She was like, I think associate director at the time. That was my first time ever being interviewed by a black lady ever. Like really ever having a friend and a mentor like of that level you know, in my industry. And she passed away a couple weeks ago. It's, it's probably been about three weeks now. And I had just spoken to her like the day before. So I just wanted to shout her out. I'm getting emotional. Rest in peace, Miss Dominique. 
Rest in peace, Miss Dominique. Take your time, baby girl. Take your time. Because, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's that's what it's all about is someone that took that time and poured into someone else that if we're not talking about generation curses, we're talking about mental health, we're talking about job security, we're talking about job professional professional advancement, we're talking about college, we're talking about school. I'm telling you, like, it's always somebody in your life that can help you change and put you on a different path. And so um, thank you for sharing that twin, because I think it's important for us to understand and know, like, the things we're talking about, the like curses and family and, and friends and loss in life. I mean, we value people now while they're here because at the end of the day, like you're saying, a diamond in the rough and, you know, the flowers, they will stay rosy. And that's a good thing. I think, you know, people say give people flowers while they're here. I do that already, but I, I, I keep them, I keep them fresh. I keep them, you know, heavy on my mind all the time. Like I'm really trying to embrace more of my um, ancestral African um, mindset of, you know, finding the beauty and remembering those we's lost. So thank you for sharing that um, twin. We really appreciate it. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back. 